comes out Suzuki, working in, right side, saved by Leonard, rebound, another stop Leonard, puck into the slot, Toffoli shoots, stopped by Robin Leonard, and the rebound goes wide. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Bullet Patrick comes in, drops it off, out and shoots, he scores! The former Ranger, Brad Howden! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace, Millard, Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Darren, you there? We are efforting to get Darren Millard onto the program. Uh, Some technical difficulties here as Darren is at T-Mobile Arena. So as we get Darren here and set and ready to go, we will bring him to you. However, a packed show, obviously. When when you look at what we have going on right now for the Vegas Golden Knights, a big-time win, which we will give our evaluations on later on in the program against the Edmonton Oilers four to nothing, a a resounding effort from the Vegas Golden Knights last night. Uh, And then you look at the fact that you get a a back-to-back situation. You go into Calgary tonight. You have an opportunity to face off with, I would argue the second best team in the Pacific division. If you go by points percentage, it's the Golden Knights. It's the Calgary Flames. They are 1-2 right there. And how will the Golden Knights follow up a very solid performance last night against the Oilers? And how do they kind of translate that here to a Calgary Flames team that is very, very good? And when you look at Calgary, I think for me, kind of the big question about this Flames team isn't so much what what they look like it's that they're complete this is a team that quite frankly doesn't have many if any holes they've got great goaltending Jacob Markstrom's been phenomenal their defense is mobile enough they are strong on the forecheck and they have very creative smart forwards who aren't afraid to go to the dirty areas to score so as we look at the Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames we look at these two teams and how they stack up, I would argue that it's likely going to be a situation where the Golden Knights are going to see Calgary, not just the rest of the regular season, but in the playoffs as well. If things go according to the Golden Knights plan, and if the Calgary Flames are able to continue to move in that direction, uh, you're going to have two teams that are jockeying for position and home ice advantage for when they ultimately meet in the playoffs. So, you know, I, I look at that and say, this is going to be one of those big games. Now, uh, Darren, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can oh, you hear I can me? hear you now, buddy. This is amazing. Uh, I, was, I was talking. You guys were just ignoring me. That's no, all. we weren't ignoring you. Chapman did something in the I've back. Been, He's not I've even in the... down this path before. He's not even yeah. in the studio right now, buddy. Yeah, good point. It's, it's magic. It's all Chapman. Yeah, it's magic. It's, it's crazy. I, so you think Calgary is better than Edmonton? I do. Yeah, we've had this conversation before. I, I absolutely 100% think that the Calgary Flames are a better hockey team, top to bottom, than the, than the Edmonton Oilers. Wow. Uh, 
You disagree? I'm not there yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. I what do you, just, what do you think, see uh, in Edmonton? Well, I, I, I see a Calgary team that didn't even make the playoffs last year. Okay, that's that last essentially, year. Though. Essentially the same as this year. They've got a, a coach that's that's turned them around and got mm-hmm. them going. They're, they're, very, they're very similar teams in which they rely on their – uh, frontline players uh, more than than say a Vegas team that uh, relies on depth and uh, and has really enjoyed so much success because of their depth uh, through the uh, better goaltending Calgary that's uh, that's a given but I, I see them as, as as very very similar little hockey clubs that that could go either way um, if I was going to face a team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I think I might be more leery of the Edmonton squad because of two MVPs, and that's no disrespect to Johnny Gaudreau and and the likes uh, of uh, of uh, Kachuk and, and Monahan and Majapani. But uh, I yeah I, I'm I'm still not sold that one team is noticeably better than the other in in this uh, Pacific Division right now. I, I will say that they're both good teams, and if you position yourself to sweep uh, the the road trip through Alberta, like the Golden Knights have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's putting yourself in a really good spot, and this this would go a long way. I think uh, points wise and in the standings, but it would also go a long way towards uh, laying down the gauntlet a little bit and, and saying, okay, that that's who we are. Uh, Vegas is is making a statement uh, by this trip. Yeah, I. I... You and I could not disagree more on whether or not the Calgary Flames are better than the Edmonton Oilers. Like, as much as I understand your argument about um, leaning on and and utilizing your top end skill, maybe more than than more complete teams, say the Vegas Golden Knights. When you look at the depth that's come through for Vegas, it's it's been night and day. But um, I'm going to go with goaltending. I'm going to go with goaltending all day long. And the difference between the Calgary Flames last year and the and the Calgary Flames this year, as you mentioned, they're essentially the same team, only you're getting the Jacob Markstrom you signed to that contract this year as opposed to what you got out of Jacob Markstrom last year. If he's dialed in and he's been dialed in all year long, there's no real expectation that that's going to dry up or fade. And I'll take Jacob Markstrom all day long over a tandem of Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen, and Stuart Skinner. It's just a no-brainer in my opinion. The, 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 the difference in Calgary, with all due respect to Jacob Markstrom, is the man behind the bench. Fair point. took over that team uh, midway through last year, and they didn't. They didn't get a huge bump uh, out of Daryl Sutter. But what he did was lay the foundation of what life was going to be like moving forward. And it was either produce or you were going to be gone. And if they couldn't find a place for you to ship you, Mm -hmm. your life was going to be really miserable. (laughs) So you had two choices. You're going to change teams and in the process be really unhappy or you buy in and you play the way that Daryl Sutter wants you to play. And that's what's happened. And there's no better example than that uh, of that than two players uh, named Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, who uh, have had great success in the past, but were not the influencing players that they needed to be last year. And right now, they are difference makers, and Johnny Gaudreau is having a career year. I watched him play the last game before the All-Star break, uh, mm-hmm. in which they faced the Arizona Coyotes. And I have not witnessed a more 
dominant individual performance over the course of 60 minutes than that one by Johnny Gaudreau. It, he didn't put up 10 points like Daryl Sittler did in 1976, but he was the best player, not in on the ice, not in the rink, not in the state. He was the best player in the league that night. And that's, uh, I don't, I don't hand that out lightly. He was that good. Yeah. And I've never seen Johnny Goodrow better. I've never seen him more committed uh, to, to both ends of the ice. And uh, the, the, the Calgary Flames made a dramatic change. And Brad Trey Living uh, went to his ownership group and got the buy-in to bring Daryl Sutter out of retirement, off the combine and off the tractor in Viking, Alberta, and back behind the bench. And the, the returns this year have been good. They're, they're tied. Based on points percentage, if you show uh, the standings and you see that uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have the seven-point lead on the Calgary Flames, so misleading because of games in hand. Based on points percentage, this is a dead heat mm-hmm. between Vegas and Calgary right now. And, and it goes to, uh, to show you uh, that, uh, that the Calgary Flames have come from outside the playoff picture and a coaching change last year to vying to be the best team in Alberta and trying to push the Vegas Golden Knights as the best team in the Pacific. Yeah, and, and I think that they're, they're on the cusp of that. You, you mentioned Daryl Sutter, and, and he has been um, the, he has had an ability throughout his years, throughout his coaching career, to come in and establish that framework with which a team can excel. And I think, you know, the the idea of Matthew Kachuk excelling under Daryl Sutter, like that makes sense because Kachuk's going to go to the hard areas. You know what you get out of that player. Um, to me, the surprising thing is how much Johnny Gaudreau has taken off this year and how well he has played um, under under Daryl Sutter. You talk about a coach that understands the players that he has and maximizing skill sets. I don't know that there's anyone better right now at, at coming in and being able to establish that than, than Daryl Sutter's been. I can tell you, being around the team, uh, Kachuk's been the, the, the biggest change yeah. uh, with, with the commitment uh, on that team. Now, he doesn't have the, the points that, uh, that Gaudreau has, doesn't have the goals that Majapani has. Uh, the good news is tonight's game is at the Saddle Home in Calgary, not on the road, so Majapani scores much more than his goals uh, <laughs> on the road. But, uh, but they, they, they made a, um, uh, a coaching change that, uh, that managed to, and they doubled down. Like it, uh, we all kind of thought that Daryl was done, and Brad reached out to a good buddy and, and, and talked him into to coming out of retirement. But uh, it's, it's been uh, a marked difference. Bet- and they've added a couple of players here and there. They lost their captain. They added Blake Coleman. They've, they've, they've saw some uh, uh, evolution in, in uh, Shillington. Uh, they, they've got some, some decent things happening in and around there. They changed their culture a little bit uh, uh, by making the trade uh, with Sam Bennett going out, and all he's done is, is become a world-class player uh, in, in Florida, but it, he wasn't doing it in, in Calgary. They've, mm-hmm. they've, they've massaged their, their roster, and now, now they, have a, they have a good one. I, I, wouldn't wanna, like, I wouldn't necessarily be excited about playing either one of these teams. Okay. In a Stanley Cup playoff race, uh, they're similar. There's there's a couple of variations, but uh, but they're both led by by some really high octane first lines. So philosophical question for you: Like, what do you need to see out of the Calgary Flames to push them ahead of the Edmonton Oilers? I guess 
at the end of the year. I'll have to see uh, it. <laughs> yeah. I, I still, uh, I mean, Edmonton, Edmonton was the best team in the National Hockey League for the first two and a half months of the season. Mm-hmm. And then they hit a real flat spot, and they they came back and they, they rebounded. Last, and that's why I, I put so much uh, uh, emphasis on last night's performance by the Vegas Golden Knights because they, they played an, uh, an Edmonton Oilers team that uh, that going into the, the All-Star break was back on, on all cylinders and, and going – Exactly the way they're supposed to be going with uh, with McDavid and Drysaddle uh, uh, pushing the pace and the, the acquisition of Evander Kane, uh, but uh, I, I don't know whether I'll, I'll be able to uh, adequately say that that Calgary is uh, noticeably better or significantly better uh, than the Edmonton Oilers uh, until the at the end of the season. I, I see them as as very uh, equal. Uh, opponents if you're going to match up against them yeah both teams have certainly match up situations that would favor them anytime you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl you have the two best players in the game no matter what now you can kind of make arguments once the Golden Knights activate Jack Eichel and we all know the type of skill set that he'll bring to the table but you know again I think for me from a from a team standpoint I'm all in on the Calgary Flames right now. I think they're the second best team in the Pacific Division behind the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think by the time 82 games is up, that'll bear out in the standings. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what happens uh, because I think we all uh, are are leaning towards Edmonton making some kind of change with their goaltending. So if they tweak that, uh, the, the Calgary Flames, I will tell fans, score way more than you would think. Uh, to the point where, uh, on a goals per game basis, they're right there mm-hmm. with the with the uh, Edmonton Oilers, uh, and that that will surprise you. And you kind of have to keep reminding yourself uh, as to how potent they can be. Uh, they're a very good road team. Uh, one thing that uh, that does f- should figure in in Calgary's advantage uh, towards if they're going to change my opinion is they play the fewest home games in the National Hockey League, and it's not just by one. Uh, it's, it's multiple games that uh, that they've played the, the, the fewest number at the Calgary Saddle Dome. So if they can find a way to get their road success to translate in, into uh, great uh, momentum at home, then, yeah, you've got, uh, you've got a real basis for an argument, and, and they may be the, the, the team that, that catches the L.A. Kings or the, or the Anaheim Ducks. Like, at the end of the year, Ryan, I think you're going to see it, Vegas and Calgary and or Edmonton. As, as your top three. Whatever order you want to put that in uh, under Vegas, uh, that that's the way I, I see it happening, which will be, one, great for Vegas because mm-hmm. those two teams would play each other in the first round, so you're only going to have to go through one of them. And number two, it would be great for hockey, seeing a battle of Alberta uh, in the first round uh, of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which would be fascinating, fun, and absolutely vicious uh, based on uh, what we've seen in the resurrection of that rivalry uh, up and down between North and, uh, and South Central uh, Alberta. So I, I think that would be great. But I, I do believe that, uh, that L.A. And, and Anaheim uh, won't necessarily falter, but you'll see uh, a little bit more consistent uh, out of those two teams. And, and tonight's, tonight's a big game for Vegas. If, if you can, uh, with, with those games in hand that, that Calgary does have, if you can win two of the first three games head to head, just like last night, being able to win those games head to head for for Vegas, and they've come on in the Pacific Division now eight and four in the inside the division, 
those those aren't when they say four point games. That's really what they are. Yeah. If you can win in regulation, and tonight uh, offers that kind of uh, massive boost uh, to to separating yourself from from a rival that we do expect to be there at the end of the season in a playoff position. Yeah, I mean they're key points for the Golden Knights. You always want to show up and play well inside of a divisional game, and and I think when you look at you know, some of the comments from Pete DeBoer about being in first place, though, from a points percentage situation, yeah. it doesn't really feel like that. A win tonight in regulation against the Calgary Flames will give you a little bit more breathing room, not just at, at the top of the Pacific Division now ahead of the Kings and the Ducks, but uh, breathing room from a team that is tracking you down in the Calgary Flames. Pete DeBoer's not off the mark there. We, we're we going to show on the TV side, mm-hmm. on, on our pregame show at, uh, at 6 o'clock, we're going to show you the standings, the way they are right now. Okay. And then we're going to flip over and show you the standings based on points percentage. Okay. And it's dramatically different, <laughs> at least where the Calgary Flames are positioned. Yeah. They go from wild card spot all the way up to second in the Pacific, and they're right on the, the door to the point where uh, the the math points out that the Calgary uh, will be able to just nudge ahead of on a points percentage ahead of Vegas that they win in regulation tonight, and and that uh, I mean games in hand are fun because you, you you count them you put them in your hand but they're not really there, uh, it kind of fools gold a little bit but you look at it and go boy they they could they could pass Vegas. they still have to win those games but based on points percentage it's a little bit more of an accurate reading of the standings and uh, essentially. Without getting too complicated, Ryan, mm-hmm. this is a game for first place tonight in the Pacific. Yeah, you're you're absolutely spot on. I mean, points percentage, it's Vegas, Calgary. And, and you know, I think the interesting thing for me about the Pacific Division this year is that here we are starting the, the second half of the season, and you've got four teams, you count the Golden Knights, five teams, uh, that are really in the mix for anywhere from one to five in the division. You've got L.A., Anaheim, Calgary, and Edmonton. Uh, I still put the Golden Knights kind of in a class of their own above those teams, especially as they get healthier, especially with Jack Eichel on the horizon. But you know that all being said, it, it's going to be meaningful hockey for a lot of clubs in this division down the stretch, and it's going to be meaningful hockey for the Calgary Flames to continue to climb up the standings so that their points reflect where they're at from a points percentage perspective. This is the first game of a seven-game homestand for Calgary. Well, we know how seven-game, eight-game homestands work. Yeah, but the the ten home games before that for Vegas, they were eight and two. Uh, the eight-game homestand uh, for Vegas finished 500, but they were still able to to accumulate uh, some points there. So uh, I don't I don't expect uh, the Calgary, and they're gonna they're gonna be busy. In the next little bit, yeah, much busier than Vegas. Vegas plays uh, tonight, so they play back to back. It's a weird one too. Uh, they play a back to back set where they're off for six days going into the back to back set, <laughs> and they're off for six days after the back to back set. Yeah, which tells me that it's like complete sellout when it comes to minutes. Uh, last night they were really fortunate because they were able to pace the roster uh, a little bit and don't want to get too off topic here but uh as far as last night's game uh they were able to pace themselves and and enjoy uh rolling the lines both in the first period when there was so much non-stop action 
uh, without whistles. And then in the third period, where you were up four goals, and uh, I think that could bode well to a to a really good start for Vegas, considering that Calgary is uh, is this their first game back from uh, the All Star break. So I, I think that uh, that does give them uh, an advantage. But uh, the overall uh, race for first place in the Pacific uh, at uh, on this date uh, in in the first uh, third of, of February is as wide open as we've seen it uh, the last couple of years and where where it's been Vegas and then you've got you had uh, uh, a couple of teams trying to to nudge their way in there you got a handful of clubs right now like this kid does LA have staying power I don't know mm-hmm. uh, does does Anaheim uh, have the ability to maintain this type of pace I would say no but they've got some good goaltending from Anthony Stollers to to give John Gibson some rest and they're they're just getting they have so much enthusiasm from that that young group there that that maybe it is one of those seasons where they take that massive jump up instead of just inching along uh, those are the two biggest question marks uh, Calgary and Edmonton I put uh, in the mix uh, along with with Vegas right now pending the arrival of, uh, of Jack Eichel and then Alec Martinez and, and Zach Whitecloud getting back into the lineup. You know, I, I got to ask, like, do you think a tight race is is beneficial to the Golden Knights yes. the, down the stretch? Because you know, a lot of the narrative surrounding Vegas, and it, it cooled off with the injuries early on in the year, but I, I think being in first place again for quite a while this season, uh, it's not about the regular season for the Golden Knights. It's about what they do in the playoffs. But I would argue that a race down the stretch, meaningful games, big games that you need to get up for, I would argue it, it benefits them down there. Absolutely. Uh, it benefits the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I think you could you could just look back to last year mm-hmm. and that race for the President's Trophy uh, in, in, in the National Hockey League and and uh, what they were looking at uh, with with the Colorado Avalanche and and that uh, that number one seed, I, I think that helped them go into the Stanley Cup playoffs with that competitive mindset and and, and hit the ground uh, and and play those intense games and, and be able to come up uh, big in a seven game series against the, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I think you point to different points in in this season when there was pressure. And there was uh, some anxiety, certainly after the one and four start, that when this team was pushed, when there was questions about this team and its lineup and whether or not it could survive the massive injury that they incurred, they've responded almost on point every time. And I'll go to Colorado and Dallas and that uh, that road trip in games six and seven. Uh, I'll point to the road trip that uh, that started in Boston and uh, and went through uh, the New York uh, teams. Uh, the the road trip uh, that was uh, what you called the gauntlet uh, between Carolina, Washington, and the Florida clubs, uh, being able to come out of that uh, by winning the last game. Uh, against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions and coming home with five of uh, of eight points. Uh, this team, yes, it's about the, 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 the playoffs. So it needs to be, I think, pushed or nudged or get their attention uh, in, in certain fashions, like a lot of great teams need to be done not not everybody's the uh the golden state warriors where you you roll through and you set the the wins record uh there's some some pacing to this and we know the injuries are a factor but uh i look to uh the different times that they've sort of been in a situation where 
it's got tense or they've been challenged. Mm -hmm. And I've been really impressed with the response uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights. The homestand, people will talk about. The eight-game homestand sure. and, and, and being 3-3-2. Three, three, and two. That, that one was so different. And I'm not making excuses here, but I, I will point to some distractions, being the, the, all, uh, the homecoming week uh, and then just being at home for that long. It's hard uh, on professional athletes to maintain that edge all the time without the rhythm of, of the season. So uh, I, I, I've been uh, as impressed as I am with the with the roster and the Henderson Silver Knights coming up and the, the players that they picked up off waivers uh, and the, the, the Brett Howdens and the depth scoring. All of that's come together uh, and, and made for a really successful season for the Vegas Golden Knights. But their ability to raise the level of their game in certain situations almost uh, on cue or by request has been really eye-opening. Yeah, it's been impressive, and, and I'd argue probably the most impressive uh, aspect of the Golden Knights game this year has been an ability when um, when they've needed a win, more often than not, they've gotten it. And it's not just a situation where they go out and they get fortunate to win, but they go out and play a heck of a game to uh, to, to earn two points. And, and I think for me, in in their ability to rise to the occasion, their ability to to really go out and win a game when they need it, that's something you're going to have to utilize in in a long postseason run. Like there will be times where it, you're just not going to have it, or you're not going to have a situation where you're able to play your best game. But you need to find a way. And what the Golden Knights have essentially done throughout the majority of the first half of the season is in situations where they have been up against it, whether it be due to injury or COVID or whatever the case may be. They've found ways, they've come up with big-time wins, and they've played some of their best hockey yeah. in situations where they were not expected to play well. Like, the the, the gauntlet road trip, what to me, was the eye-opener for the Golden Knights. They went out on that road trip and played four fantastic games, and they weren't out of any of them. They did a great job on that road trip, and to me, that is what the Golden Knights can be, a team that any night, doesn't matter who they're up against, what the situation is, they're going to hang in and they're going to give themselves a chance to win. That's all you can ask for. So now you have this situation where you're off for six days and you know that what's what's at stake tonight. Uh, and you go into it knowing that you can sweep Alberta and put what uh, people like us discuss are your two biggest rivals uh, a little bit further back in the rearview mirror, if anybody uses that anymore with all the technology <laughs> and cars and, and road assist and, and such. You could, you could do that. Uh, I fully anticipate uh, that this being uh, a, a really good game. Uh, like last night was was sensational. It, what what they've been able to do against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the last two games, uh, even though they split those last two games, has been uh, eye-opening across the NHL. Like People are looking at going, why, why are they so good against those two? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like McDavid had four great grade-A chances. And, and you stopped him, and you came out on the right side of it. Uh, they didn't give him a sniff until the third period. And, and he got a couple of looks. But uh, Dreisaitl had the 2-on-0 in the first period, and he passed. So uh, I don't know whether you're, you're necessarily in his head or not, but he dished that to Zach Cassian, which should never happen. Yeah. I'm sorry, Zach. Uh, we'll, we'll make up <laughs> later, and, uh, and we'll become friends again. But that's, that's the simple fact. Uh, they, they were... 
they cleaned up their game as that game went on, and it became a, a textbook performance uh, on the road last night. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, you know, and and I think in terms of shutting down McDavid and Drysaddle, the the response last night from Pete DeBoer about how you deal with speed and the two options you have: collapse or attack. I, I think you know you, you understand it and you recognize it. It's it's not just one or two players that you're tasking with shutting those guys down. It's a team effort. You need to have buy-in. You need to have connected five-man unit. And the Golden Knights, the last two times they have played McDavid and Dreisaitl, they've gotten that commitment. I think Hunter McDavid was shocked at a couple of plays last night that the Golden Knights yeah. made in the neutral zone, uh, in particular from Braden McNabb. And we showed it in the first intermission last night. But McNabb uh, stepping up mm -hmm. and just uh, almost... It looks like a gamble, but it's a very calculated gamble where McDavid gets the puck with speed uh, right around the red line. And instead of backing up and defending, McNabb skates forward. Now, one, he absolutely took the puck away from McDavid. The other one, he, he got a little fortunate but, but took the uh, to, and by taking the puck off the skate. But what it does is it, it changes Connor McDavid's thinking is – is he going to be up there? Am I going to get pounded uh, the way uh, Braden McNabb can hit people? Uh, am I going to have any space there? And it was it was impressive. I I've had conversations with Ryan McGill, the uh, the assistant coach that handled the defenseman, uh, about playing Connor McDavid and watching other teams play Connor McDavid and the differences in how you uh, defend them. And uh, it's it's no surprise that Pete DeBoer would, would offer that kind of statement because it's right in lockstep with, uh, with McGill, who was a defenseman when he played in the NHL. You think you're doing yourself a favor by backing up and, and giving yourself some some space and uh, some speed while, while skating backwards, and that just feeds into him. Uh, at times, you you'd have no choice. But, but last night, the, the tack that, that Vegas took, reminiscent of, of Nathan McKinnon last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs, that's the same type of job that they did uh, with him. Uh, we've got an abbreviated show today. Uh, we will be uh, saying goodbye on the BGK Insider Show at 5.30, setting the table uh, for uh, Ryan Wallace and company to uh, to take over. I think your uh, special guest is Dave Gosher today on the pregame show. Uh, so we have an abbreviated show, so we're going to bring you one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League in the next segment. The play of the day is coming up, as well as our ratings from last night's game. I think you kind of know where I'm going to go. But Chapman and Wallace may have a different take uh, based on uh, the little bit that it took Vegas to, uh, to get the, their feet settled underneath them uh, last night coming out of the All-Star breaks. The VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Very interesting day in the National Hockey League as we have player appearances with the player safety department, suspensions on the way, and a coaching change in the National Hockey League. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Let's get to the Canadiens. And not even a year after going to the Stanley Cup final, the Montreal Canadiens management and coaching staff have been overturned. Mark Bergevin was already replaced earlier on this season. Uh, Jeff Gorton is the president of hockey operations. Kent Hughes is the general manager uh, taking over. And now Dominic Ducharme on the heels of a 7-1 loss to the New Jersey Devils last night. 
was relieved of his duties, yep. and Martin St. Louis has been named as the Montreal Canadiens head coach. Interesting, because it was Luke Richardson who did the media availability this morning, and a lot of people rushed to judgment that Luke, who I think is a good coach, and they would have been fine promoting him uh, to head coach, uh, was going to get the job. But it's St. Louis, who not many people had on the radar as a perspective coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Patrick Awe was publicly campaigning for the mm-hmm. general manager's job. I have a feeling he would have had gladly accepted the coaching job. But St. Louis uh, takes over. Why is it surprising? Because St. Louis, uh, incredible hockey player. Yes. Uh, through uh, a decade and a half in, in the National Hockey League. And as a guy that uh, won Stanley Cups and just could get it done. Uh, had challenges, small player, et cetera, et cetera, found a way to become that guy. But his only real coaching experience was he was a special teams coach with the Columbus Blue Jackets a handful of years ago and then was coaching a triple-A uh, midget team uh, in Connecticut. Does not have any experience running a National Hockey League team. Mm-hmm. Has very little experience running a team at any level so this is this is a reach for the montreal canadians very much uh uh, an experiment and to see what you have in martin st louis whose contract is for the rest of the year yeah you're you're pretty much spot on for me um i i was quite surprised um that it was martin st louis um but as you mentioned the great hockey player uh, one of the best of his of his era, just in terms of, of what he was able to accomplish in his career. That being said, it, it is an experiment. I, I think that there's a degree of, you know, you bring a guy in just to see kind of how things go. The Montreal Canadiens have won eight games in 45 tries. Like, it, I don't think it can get much worse. Famous last words have been spoken, though. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, listen, I... It, no matter what the Canadians do right now, it's not going to do much for their season. It's not going to turn anything around drastically. Give a guy a shot. See if he's got what it takes to maybe be a coach beyond the rest of this season, if that's the direction you want to go. And if not, then you get to a proper search in the offseason. Yeah, sorry, I, I should correct myself. Uh, St. Louis was head coach of the U18 team. Uh, sorry, U13 team. I thought it said U18 team. U13 team. So, I mean, okay. that's... That's major bantam, mm-hmm. minor bantam, uh, for those that, that follow the, the old terminology of it. There's, uh, there's, he's got enough experience that he's going to know what to do. Sure. And, and, and uh, he's not going to be intimidated. But I don't know. It's a strange hire, let me put it that way, uh, that, that you take a guy uh, out of minor hockey and put him into uh, a coaching situation behind a National Hockey League bench uh, in a city that where there's so much angst right now uh, regarding the Montreal Canadiens. And this is not on Dominic Ducharme. Do not let that... If anything, Kent Hughes did him a favor. Yeah, I'd agree with that. By, by making this change. Now, Ducharme's not going to see it that way, but it was an ugly situation with the talent and the injuries and the uh, uh, losing began losing uh, in Montreal and it's I mean Dominic Ducharme's a really good coach uh, 
I'll be curious to see what kind of bump, if any, they get from this in, in Martin St. Louis. And you've got roughly just over halfway uh, through the season. And I'll be fascinated to watch how it goes, how how he uh, takes to, to coaching. But uh, this, I had a great talk with somebody uh, on All-Star Weekend mm-hmm. about Montreal. And we were comparing it to, to Toronto. Because I worked during the, the lows of the lows during the Toronto Maple Leafs before they uh, were able to draft uh, and land Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and get some, some attention. So I watched the Cujo, Matt Sundin era, and then the lows, and then the, the start of, of what you have right now in Toronto. And I'll say this. It was, and I did uh, Hockey Central at noon, open line radio show, uh, and, and hosted the Leaf games. And there was a fascination to when the Leafs struggled. Like it was <laughs> it was a wild ride. And at times our ratings would be as good as when they win sure. because it was just so fascinating. That's not that like losing in Toronto can be entertaining at times. Losing in Montreal is a nightmare. And it's not even close to being the same uh, as as what I watched in Toronto and this will be this will be very uh, fascinating to watch what happens the rest of this year under the new leadership of Gordon Hughes and now uh, Martin St. Louis. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, again, I I look at this and I say it, it can't really get much worse than what these first 45 games were like for the Montreal I think it can and their fans. Uh, but at the same time, maybe it can. And, and I think that's, that's terrifying if you are a Montreal Canadiens fan. So um, buckle up. And I hope that it's not as bad the second half of the season. Uh, Craig Berube signed a three-year contract extension to remain with the St. Louis Blues. Congratulations mm-hmm. there. Uh, smart job. He's uh, He had a couple of jobs before that St. Louis gig, and then he was promoted uh, to uh, to interim head coach and won the Stanley Cup. And he's turned that into like a legacy job. Uh, really happy for him. A couple of player safety uh, discussions with uh, athletes who crossed the line last night. Let's start with Marcus Foligno in a fight with uh, Winnipeg's Adam Lowry. And uh, they went a couple of times last night. And the Minnesota Wild forward, at the end of uh, the fight, put his knee on Adam's head. Mm-hmm. It was ugly. Yeah. It was dirty. It was it was a bad scene. Now, nothing came out of that. And, and credit Adam Lowry and his dad, Dave Lowry, who's his head coach. Uh, but they handled it uh, pretty upfront and and didn't come back uh, slinging any mud, but that was uh, that was vicious. And I, I'm a big Marcus Foligno fan. I, I was surprised that that happened. Yeah, I, I was too because that you know you look at Marcus Foligno in, in his entire career, he plays on on an edge. He plays with with that type of physicality, but rarely have I remembered or do I remember a situation where Mar- Marcus Foligno crosses a line. That last night crossed a line for sure. Um, surprised to see it. Uh, it. It was a chippy, intense game last night between those two clubs, anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it was a it was a dirty play. There's no way to explain it or excuse it away. It's just there's no real room for that in the sport. Period. I don't think it's worth five games, but it was dirty. Uh, and he's a tough, tough hombre. He can. 
He can get around the National Hockey League and intimidate you. He was the guy that, that Nick Hag fought mm-hmm. last year. Yep. And uh, and everybody was so impressed that, that Hag was able to stay with him in that kind of uh, uh, situation. Uh, he He's going to play that way. He's going to play physical. He's going to, uh, if you want to use the term, I don't like the term bully, but uh, certainly he's going to muscle up against you and, and try to make you back down. Uh, that was that was different. I, I'm not going to go to the extent that that others have and, and call it basically a world changing event that needs to be dealt with. Hmm. It's a suspension. Yeah, a couple of games and and then you move on. Uh, Lowry wasn't uh, severely hurt uh, in it. The other one is Brad Marchand, who has an in person hearing uh, after an exchange with Tristan Jari. Now there's some some story behind this. Okay. And it goes, it goes back to a couple of occurrences in, in games that they played with each other. There's some chirping. Uh, and, and I know Tristan. He can chirp. He can beak. And last night, it, it kind of got things going. And it was a back-and-forth game between Pittsburgh and, and Boston last night. And Jari got a puck behind the net and was about to flip it to, to some fans mm-hmm. uh, over the glass because they were playing in Boston. And Marchand went by and knocked the puck down and took it away from him so he couldn't flip it over the glass which is childish but it's funny i thought it was hilarious and then he takes the puck and he throws it around well later in the game things aren't going well for brad and i'm sure something was said and while jari's in a vulnerable position brad walks over and punches him in the head as he's skating which is not nice ladies and gentlemen boys and girls it's not nice to punch somebody in the head mm-hmm. and then as he's leaving he waves a stick in tristan jari's face that's also dangerous and not very sportsmanlike. He got tossed out. Sure. If that stick goes through the the eye hole, uh, the cage of Jari's mask, and hurts him, it, Brad Marchand's looking at a long suspension. Yeah. The reason why this is an in-person hearing, which basically means he's getting five games, six games, uh, is because of Brad's history, mm-hmm. Marchand's history. That's it. Because, well, it's not nice I'm coming across as a Neanderthal here, right? Uh, talking yeah, about Felino not uh, not being uh, uh, suspended forever, or, but but Marchand punches Jari in the head. Yeah, like Jari can stand up for himself, and and so can Brad. Big deal, whatever. Uh, I don't think it's worth an in-person hearing. Couple of games, move on. I'll dis- I'll disagree with you. If it was the punch, sure. If it was the punch, three four games, that's fine. The stick. Yeah, the punch of three or four games? Why, why do you get three or four games for a punch? Because it's it's completely dirty, Darren. Like You don't, you're, you're, you don't, you're not allowed to punch a goalie? You No, you're not. They're oh not fair goodness. games, Darren. What are you talking oh about? It's, it, it's during a stoppage. Okay, but here's my point. Regardless of any of that, you got five games for sticking your stick in, in, in a dangerous spot there. Like, I, I'm sorry. It's it's the, the combination of both of those things with Marshan's history. 100%. If he doesn't swing the stick, it's not an in-person hearing because the stick gets in and around the face of Tristan Jari like that after Marshan sucker punches him from behind. Yeah, it should be more than five games. It's ridiculous. We've we've lost it in our game. I, I guess, man. Like who? We've, po- we've poor, lost it. Yeah. How, how dare we want to stick up for actual player safety and not want to see more concussions? You're absolutely right, Darren. We have My lost goodness. it. My goodness. Like I just. My, yeah. No, you're right. Brain injuries. 
How dare we want to prevent those? That happens so many times. But players get five minutes for fighting, and they beat the crap out of each other. And mm -hmm. Brad goes over and punches Tristan uh, in, in the in the side of the head, and it's like, and Tristan's okay. It's <sighs> there's a lot of things wrong with your assessment there, Darren. When when we're talking about two guys fighting, first of all, they agree to fight each other. Not they, get sucker punched. Yeah, in the not back get of the head. sucker punched like Marshawn did to Jari. Look, if, if it's totally different story if Jari drops the gloves with 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 him. I mean, I don't know how often that happens, but I mean, he, Tristan he, knew what was going on. There. He, don't don't try and sell me whether or that not Tristan he, didn't he, know he, he was going was over going there. On. He got sucker punched. I mean, it, it's 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 a dumb move by Marshawn. Look, the Bruins are are, are having some issues. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll be safe. They'll make the playoffs, but this isn't the type of stuff you want from Brad Marchand. I mean, maybe he was just bored. Who knows? But just a dumb play. Like, what are you doing? Like, why punch the goalie? I'd be. And, and what what kind of pissed me off more about it was the fact that nobody on the Penguins really did anything. Like it wasn't it, that big of a deal. Your goalie getting punched <laughs> in the back of the head is not big a big a deal. deal. Listen, I I would hope if if someone punched Robin Leonard. Or Laurent Brassois. Oh, you wouldn't have to worry about it with Robin, Robin Leonard. Leonard. Robin well, Leonard well, would take care like, of it himself. Like, well, well. Let, let me put it this way. <laughs> Nobody else is doing anything if Robin Leonard gets punched either. Well, because that, Robin's just going to push him aside and say, I got this one, fellas. <laughs> yeah, but but if he didn't, I would hope that somebody from the Golden Knights, whether it be Keegan Golasar, Brady McNabb, they, and, and I have no doubt that those guys would not allow a player to just skate off and stick his stick in the face of the goalie well, after he sucker punches him. That's I'm not sure there's much you can do about that. About that. I just if you want to suspend him a couple of games, both guys, Felino and, and Marchant, fine, but not not this in person hearing. I, actually, the the only thing that the in person hearing would be good for, I'd like I'd love to get the recording of it, the transcript, because it'd be funny. Brad going, yeah, I punched him. He was bugging me. Like it'd be a great exchange uh, between the two of them. Uh, we have other Bruins news. Tuka Rask, uh, just yesterday we were talking about, and I kind of chuckled about this, because Butch Cassidy said uh, Tuka was dealing with some uh, the, the recovery from the hip surgery, trying to get himself uh, back in gear, played uh, played four games, a couple have gone good, a couple hadn't gone good at all, and maybe age-related because of, uh, of, the, of the hip surgery. Well, a lot more serious than that. Uh, Butch Cassidy said he wouldn't practice again this week. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not going to practice again. Tuka Rask announced his retirement this afternoon. Yeah. Sucks. I'm, I'm I mean, shocked by that. I mean, listen, it, great career for Tuka Rask. Uh, unfortunate situation that the, the re rehabilitation and getting to this point didn't result in him being able to see this season through. Um but I mean, like, listen, it, one of the best for the Boston yeah. Bruins to to lace him up, to put the pads on, and uh, right now it's just about congratulating him on a great career. Just the the body didn't react, yeah. and he was in uh, more discomfort than he thought he was going to be, and that's that's disappointing. Boy, uh, surprising uh, turn of events uh, with the Boston Bruins. There's some uh, other news and notes which I'm going to hold on to uh, for tomorrow just uh, because we're up against it with this uh, truncated show but uh, those are your one-timers for this wednesday february hmm. uh one-timers brought to you by paul powell law more lawyer less fee we'll be back with more with uh, the play of the day coming up next on fox sports las vegas 
This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Spread out, but we're together. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, uh, as I broadcast from T-Mobile Arena, where we will do the television show tonight. Don't worry, you're not missing the game. It's in Calgary. But we're going to do the TV show uh, from T-Mobile Arena tonight uh, because of COVID protocol. Uh, we're trying to see if the Vegas Golden Knights can sweep Alberta for the second straight time. They did it going into the pandemic pause two years ago. And last night they got halfway there in this version by beating the Edmonton Oilers 4 nothing. A game in which uh, Alex Petrangelo served up a little bit of personal history with his 500th career point. This is the play of the day. Marchessault reaches for the puck, backs his way into the zone, beats Petrangelo, he scores! 500 points for Petrangelo! Vegas leads 3-0, three minutes into the second period. That was an awesome play by Jonathan Marchessault, Mm -hmm. who took the puck and backed in across the line. That's allowed as long as you've got control of it, even though your feet go across uh, the line before the puck. And then a beautiful feed over to uh, Alex Petrangelo, who salts at home. He's been a bit of a, a dry spell. We've been knocking on the door of this uh, 500th point since uh, a couple of games before the All-Star game. And then he goes out and he does it and didn't wasn't even aware that uh, that it was his 500th point until the media told him after. Yeah, I you know, I think sometimes you're sitting on those milestones or you, you don't. With, with Petrangelo, it's interesting because I, I think that the only thing he's ever focused on is the moment, right? Like uh, I, I get a sense that the, the milestones, all the numbers, everything else – is ancillary. It's in the background for him. All he's caring about in the moment is what he's got to do in that game. So I, I get that 100%. Great goal. Fantastic way to hit career point number 500. And, you know, with Petrangelo, it's probably going to put him on a little bit of a heater here because we've, we've seen him get some points and all of a sudden things start to just kind of stick to him. So I wonder if he's going to go off on, you know, a 10 or 12 game stretch where he's, he's picking up points night in and night out. Misfits are doing that right now, bookending the All-Star break with solid performances. The line that I'm looking for right now, the money line with Chandler Stevenson, Mark Stone, and Max Pacioretty. We'll get into that, plus our game ratings from last night's 4 nothing win over the Edmonton Oilers. And look ahead to tonight's game in Calgary. It's the second half of the VGK Insider Show with a twist on Fox Sports Las Vegas. On the left side, Stone to the right, back in front, they score! Tic-tac-toe to Donov, back to Stone! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Theodore finds Wah in the slot, but overtime hero against Montreal, sets it up for Theodore, he scores! Vegas wins in overtime! Shea Theodore, the hero! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Getting set for game two of this back-to-back set through Alberta. It used to be that you'd never sweep the Alberta teams, uh, going back to the heyday of the Oilers and the Calgary Flames. Then it took a dip, and it's like, boy, you better get three out of four points uh, going through that stretch. Now we're kind of right there in the middle uh, of all of that. As the Oilers, with uh, one of the best players in the game and tandems in Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, kept in check last night, and the Vegas Golden Knights won 4 nothing. and now they'll try to complete the uh, double dip uh, with a 
victory over the Calgary Flames at the Saddle Dome this evening. Uh, it's the VGK Insider Show here for the next uh, 20 minutes or so, and then we'll give way to the pregame show with Ryan Wallace as game two of this road trip will start just after 6.30 with Dan Duva and Gary Lawless. Uh, this is an important game tonight. Uh, Vegas, a season high, 12 games above 500 with the wins over Buffalo and Edmonton, and they have a chance to just distance themselves from the Calgary Flames. Uh, it'll the, the money line's been quiet lately, right? Yeah. They, Max Pacioretty, I think the, this is the longest uh, streak that he's gone, nine games uh, without a goal this year. Uh, this this could be maybe a, a turning point. Uh, let's see if they get going tonight. I, I feel like you unleashed some ghosts when you decided to coin the name Moneyline. You think that I had an impact there? Oh, absolutely. No, listen, I don't personally because I don't believe in jinxes and I don't believe in any of that, but I just want to point out that ever since you went to coining the name money line uh the production has been sparse that's all yeah. i'll say they had one really good game after that and mm-hmm. then then it kind of quieted down well everybody was hurt more than anything it's always your fault everybody and, and was I, hurt like, and out of the lineup i'm gonna do my best to point out that there are things that you do that may correlate to poor performance that's all do you think i jinxed myself today because we we put that picture of me uh with gary lawless's head uh on top of my head that made it look like I was bald. Do you think I'll immediately start losing my hair now? No, but if you did, you should take solace in the fact that you'll look pretty good bald. Like, if I were you... Like, with his head? I and, and that's with his head. And I don't think he has a really solid-looking, attractive, bald head. This I've is already Gary way this. too deep. I've told Gary this. This is not and, a good. Uh, but but I but yeah, I thought I thought his bald head looked okay. If you if you're looking for it, we had, we shared it on Twitter today, and uh, I. I it's it's interesting. There's part of me that was a little fearful of seeing that picture, mm-hmm. but after after it went out there, I'm like, eh, I'm okay. You you gonna shave your head? Well, maybe. Oh come uh, well, there's on. A, there's a haircut. Oh, this the whole okay. thing started. This okay. whole thing started because uh, there's a Brian at the office has mm-hmm. a really cool haircut, and I want that haircut. And I didn't know how it would look on me, so I wanted to get Brady Hackmeister. Uh, our graphic designer. Uh, he's had. He, he's the, the the top picture maker at the at the office. That's what we call him, picture maker. Picture maker. Uh, even though he's got a much better title than that. Uh, I said, can you put his haircut on my head? And instead, he put Gary's head <laughs> on my head. So before before I shave my head, I wanna I wanna see if I can spice it up with with uh, Brian's hair. Well, it's kind of unfair for us to not know what Brian's hair looks like now. It's awesome. Hmm. You know what you know what the worst That's picture was. Yeah. You know what? Well, it's shaved at the side and the back. Okay. And then it's got the like the the puffy stuff on top. So That's, it's like a mohawk. Well, uh, no, but there's more to it than that. There's more hair than a mohawk. But here's here's the other thing. Brady took Gary's head and put it on my like the his skull on top of my head mm-hmm. to make me look bald. Mm-hmm. The better picture, which we didn't share, was my hair. On Gary. Oh. Why didn't you share that? Yeah. Because the world Gary, deserves to see that. Because Gary's not in the office today, and it wasn't fair to him. Oh, that's fair but enough. What do you? It, okay, hold on. It's pretty awesome. Darren, you did all this with technology. Technology no, exists did, for... No, 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 no. I did nothing. It was done with technology. Yes, yes. Send the picture to Gary. Say, hey, can we post this? And then stop depriving the world of what we all want to see. That is Gary Lawless with your hair. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And... The, and the best part is because it's got my white strip. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> my little skunk patch. Will you? Because I I have a brilliant idea, and I mean, listen. Anytime we've bet on Canada U.S., you've always come out the loser. Um, I'm not shaving you, my head. You wouldn't you wouldn't bet that? No. Come on, come on. No. Seriously? There's, there's 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 not a chance. I'm I'm laying a wager. That is ridiculous. Involving shaving my head. You do it in the off season, so it wouldn't impact the the, the TV stuff. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It'll about grow that. back. Oh, thanks, tips. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I don't, I don't have to be Bruno to tell you that your hair will grow back when you shave it. The problem Bru- is the Bruno you're talking about is not the Bruno that Darren was talking about. So it's just, yeah. it's a reference that doesn't oh. work. They've guys seen Encanto? No, it's good. We don't talk about Bruno. Uh, so let's move on to, to the Vegas Golden Knights uh, against the Calgary Flames. Uh, this, I don't know how many, uh, how much lineup. Cha- Normally, playing on back to back, you'd see a couple of tweaks in the lineup. I don't know whether they make any changes beyond. If any changes they make because they're forced to injury or, or so forth, uh, this might be one where you just roll out the same lineup on back to back games because you don't play again for another week. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't change much. Uh, obviously, you're not taking Brett Howden out of the lineup uh, with another goal last night for him. Um, I liked kind of the tweak on defense. Ben Hutton moving up to play with Alex Petrangelo, allowing. Nick Hague to kind of get himself back into the rhythm, into the groove of, of playing um, some some games. And, you know, the only change that I would expect, obviously, uh, is between the pipes. I would I would imagine Robin Leonard goes, even though Laurent Brossois picked up the shutout. You, you need to get Robin Leonard um, this game. You want your best goaltender in net against a team that I view as one of the better teams, if not one of the best teams in this division. So um, the only lineup change I can conceivably see making, assuming everyone is still healthy, would be uh, in net with Robin Leonard going instead of Lorraine Brossois. Leonard's got a great record head-to-head with the Calgary Flames. The the numbers, the analytics aren't fantastic, mm-hmm. but if you're just going on wins and losses, uh, he's 7-2-1 he's and one head-to-head against the Calgary Flames. Last time he was there was like in his fourth game with the Vegas Golden Knights when they, they went up north. Uh, right before the, the the pandemic and and played, but uh, that'll he's also playing Markstrom. He gets up for these games. Uh, back in I want to say November fifth, uh, in and around there, uh, the 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 Golden Knights. It was the one game that they played against uh, Calgary this year. It stands out to me because I was talking to uh, some people within the organization uh, about that game. It was a three two result for Vegas, but it wasn't. A one-goal game, like it was one of those ones where even though it was close throughout, Ryan, there was you never felt the result was in jeopardy, mm-hmm. and it it stands out to me as being by far their best complete game of the year at that point of the season. And the last night might might push it aside a little bit, and there's been uh, some other games that they've played really really well from from start to finish in, but that was one where. Uh, they played a good game against Colorado on the road, and they they had some good results uh, prior to the game against Calgary at T-Mobile Arena. But that one was just so solid, where it's like, oh, that's that's the team we know. It's there's not uh, not with other guys coming up or doing different things and and juggling that. That that was the team. Uh, so I'll I'll be curious to see whether they they're able to to replicate the, that uh, tonight. We got we got to get our ratings in for last night uh, as the Golden Knights beat the Edmonton Oilers four nothing. So Chappie, let's get to it. You see what I do that time with the pepper? You see what I do with the pepper? The people, the people, they want the pepper, all right? They want the pepper. Four nothing shutout win over the Edmonton Oilers. What do you have, Christopher? Well, I'm going to go Carolina Reaper. 
Uh, look, you, you, you shut out a team in your division. It's the first game back after the All-Star break, so there was an opportunity maybe for, for a little bit of bad habits or, or a little bit of slowness to, to creep in. And, yeah, maybe the first 10 minutes of that game, they, they, they were a little slow to, to get going. But at the end of the day, you shut out Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. That's not something that happens very often where those two guys are shut out, especially at home. Uh, Lauren Brassois was, was was really good, I thought. I thought Petrangelo getting his 500th point, that adds a little luster to, to the rating. So I'm going to go Carolina Reaper. It, it was, And I thought it was a really good game by the Misfit line, maybe their best game in a, in a really, really long time. The slow start, I, I give a pass on because you're coming off the, the all-star break. Just Well, clearly I did because I yeah, went with Carolina Reaper. Yeah, it's just one of those ones where I'm not even going to mention it. Uh, during during my montage, but uh, with with his own evaluation of last night, let's go live to Ryan Wallace. It's Carolina Reaper. Listen, I loved the the adjustment the Golden Knights were able to make in in their ability to break out of their zone after that first ten minutes. They started to play a little bit quicker. They were able to make some plays getting out of the zone. Once the Edmonton Oilers were not able to extend some shifts in the offensive zone, the Golden Knights were really able uh, to establish what they wanted. They took away the middle of the ice, twenty six block shots. Uh, you you buy in defensively. And the Golden Knights shut out a, a high-powered offense in Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Edmonton Oilers. And that, to me, shows you that when the Golden Knights are bought in defensively, they are incredibly hard to beat, and they don't give up a lot. So it, it feeds their goaltending. It feeds their numbers defensively. To me, that's the type of, way, or the type of game that you want to see out of the Golden Knights. And it's a team that this year has had issues, had trouble with big leads early on in games. The Golden Knights were able to add to it every successive period, and at no point in time did it feel like that lead was going to get away. High marks for me, Golden Knights. It's a Carolina Reaper. Uh, I think you know where I'm going to go, and uh, I think that was, that was easy uh, given your two evaluations of the game. So, yeah, five out of five uh, for me uh, last night. The Bressois save off the Leon Dreisaitl feed over to Zach Cassian mm-hmm. after Vegas had scored first, fourth straight game that they've scored first, uh, was was really was a huge save, not just because it maintained the lead, but it didn't allow Dreisaitl to get any confidence. And it's a tougher save than, than you think because it's Dreisaitl on a 2-on-0 with Zach Cassian. Who do you think shoots that puck, gets the shot off? Well, it should be Dreisaitl. Exactly. So I, I wouldn't have blamed Brassois for being late getting over or doubling down on Dreisaitl taking the shot. And he didn't. He he was right uh, with the play and was able to read the pass and then get over and make the save off of Zach Cassian. And, and back comes uh, the the Golden Knights, and they're able to to double the advantage and and eventually just put the game away. McDavid got a chance in the third period, but McDavid didn't have a shot till the third period, mm-hmm. and and that's back to back games that Vegas has kept McDavid and Drysaddle off the scoreboard. Uh, really good, and to make it a no doubter the way they did. And your point about big leads and and having teams, it's just a a reality that teams will have a push at some point. And Vegas, once they found their post-All-Star legs, were, were all were That penalty-killing unit last night, mm-hmm. you kept wondering, oh, there's the penalty. That's, <laughs> that's going to get Edmonton going. 
and it, it never happened. No, it, it didn't. And, you know, again, full credit to the Vegas Golden Knights for uh, really taking away what the Edmonton Oilers wanted to do. The penalty kill for Vegas was fantastic. It's so fitting that Riley Smith and William Carlson do team up for that shorthanded goal. And what is it? What does it stem from? It stems from getting in a sh- in a shooting lane, blocking a shot, and then really turning it the other way. Aggressiveness. Yeah, like, absolutely. If, if I'm if I'm William Carlson, I'm not busting down to make that a two on zero. I'm hanging back, letting Riley do his thing, and I'm killing the penalty. Like I, I, I and and I love the fact that he did it. That that he jumped in and and made it a two on zero, but. That's not the way every team operates in being able to push the pace like that. You know, it's what's funny about that is I, I don't think Tyson Berry thought he would do that either. No. And, and clearly, um, it's just kind of lack of, of recognition for the Edmonton Oilers and, and their defensemen. But it's what we talk about with the Golden Knights penalty kill all the time. They are looking to create situations where they can turn offense on a team that isn't thinking about defending. And I, I think that that was no better play to exemplify that point than than what Riley Smith and William Carlson were able to do there. Their penalty killing in their last 10 road games is 86%, which will put them third in the National Hockey League uh, overall. It's been that good. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that is they're 8-1-1 in their last uh, 10 road games. They've got a going on the road right now. Isn't it interesting? We talk so much about the fortress and this environment that, that I'm sitting in right now, the building that I'm sitting in right now, and how it's the best in the National Hockey League, and it is. But this group, this year five group, is almost creating an identity outside of T-Mobile Arena and finding success. They have 14 wins at home, 14 wins on the road. You know, I... I... It's interesting because I, I feel like the the record at home is going to correct itself a little bit. Like I look at the Golden Knights and, you know, you're, you're still over 500 at home. I, I would expect that over the over the back half of the season, it's going to get better. There will be more wins at home. Uh, but I love the idea. I love the fact that the Golden Knights right now are a team that relishes going out on the road, playing the type of game that they need to to take the home team out of it. And that they can find points on the road because, again, anytime you get into a playoff situation, undoubtedly, you're going to have to win games on the road. I would rather have a team that is comfortable and has shown an ability to win on the road going into a playoff situation. I love the fact that the Golden Knights are finding wins on the road and doing it in convincing fashion like they did last night. Well, and if you win your division and they've got a four-point cushion now Mm -hmm. uh, for the division, you've got that extra game at home. So you don't have to necessarily uh, lean on the road success. So you can you can have the uh, benefit of being in your own environment to start a series with two games, and then you've got the confidence to follow it up uh, and be able to win in in any environment. Uh, here's here's one other thing: you know, they lead the league in in shorthanded goals with with the eight. Six of those shorthanded goals have come on the road. <laughs> I could just it it one stat about road success feeds into another stat of a road success and another stat mm-hmm. about road success. And it's not just, just the wins or losses. There's, there's a foundation here of statistics, uh, analytics, that prop up uh, the significant amount of uh, good fortune that they're enjoying right now on the road. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've been a fantastic road, uh, road team. And I think 
you know, there's there's a lot of different factors, I think, that can kind of go into it. But for, for this Golden Knights team, I, I think that they just dial it in. They There's that commitment to defending and defending well and, and, and the, the attention to detail that you need on the road. And it, it has turned into um, a team that is comfortable there in that type of game. And all it takes, really, for the Golden Knights is one mistake, right? Like, you capitalize on one mistake, and then that snowballs, and all of a sudden you, you have a game like last night where – I mean, the Edmonton Oilers were out of it at the beginning of the second period. Like, as soon as Alex Petrangelo scored a goal, it felt like it was over. It felt like the the Oilers weren't going to come back. And, you know, to me, uh, that that's all credit to the Golden Knights and what they were able to do. Pete DeBoer and company will try to sweep the road trip through Alberta. And then it's six days off before the uh, the three games that will uh, finish off the fill-in of the schedule uh, during this Olympic break. Uh, just want to mention, uh, the Olympic men's hockey tournament started last night hmm. in Beijing. And a lot of these, Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, uh, several players, William Carlson, uh, Pete DeBoer, Misha Donskov, all had aspirations of playing or uh, participating in the Olympic Winter Games, uh, I have to think that there's uh, a, a little bit of a, just a tugging of the heart and, and missing out uh, because uh, they, they aren't going to get that opportunity uh, at, the, uh, at the competition in, in Beijing. But they will, they will skate tonight, and Chapman, uh, you will know this, uh, they will skate tonight at uh, an Olympic venue at the Calgary Saddledome, which was home to the 1988 uh, Winter Olympic Games and the figure skating and the hockey competitions in, in Calgary. So uh, they, they aren't in Beijing. They aren't uh, at, the, at that venue uh, in, in Beijing uh, participating for a gold medal, but they will be at an, a former Olympic venue uh, right now, thir- 34 years uh, after Calgary hosted the Olympic Winter Games. Just a little bit of a tie-in uh, with uh, with what's happening, and I get to hang out with my Olympic buddy Darren Elliott on the TV side, who uh, played in the Olympic uh, Winter Games in 1984. I love the Olympics. Can you guys can, tell? Yeah, we can tell. Did you guys like after the games, like last night? Did you guys go home and watch any of the games? I didn't watch the hockey. I watched the uh, women's slalom, and I watched the uh, big air with Sean White. Yeah, that, I, I that slalom. I fell asleep. You did? Oh, yeah, buddy. That slalom is a contact sport. Oh, it's rough. We said uh, I was talking with Garrett at the office today. It, it basically they're just running over the poles, but they're they're doing it with style and grace. Like I can run over poles, but I'm not actually completing the course. Yeah, and they wear the face guard so that yeah. this, it doesn't come up and whack them in the face. Yeah, and shin you, pads. You guys would be calling for those poles to have a suspension because it whacks them in the face. Calm down. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, the pregame show, Calgary and Vegas, coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We'll chat with you tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show.